Hello, episode 62. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you doing? How's your summer? Our summer in London has improved vastly. The temperatures have dropped from scorching 39 or whatever we were on down to kind of slightly more reasonable temperatures. Um, and now it's enjoyable. So wherever you are in the world, I hope that your summer or even indeed your winter is proving to be a fun one. So anyway, how are you? Hope all is well in your personal lives. In your personal lives? Yes, I do. I care about your personal lives. Um, just to say that, yes, I know last week I did um, mention and sort of, well, I skipped over it in a way, um, the fact that there has been, and we've mentioned this before, that there's been a rise in homophobic crimes mentioned and talked about in the press of late. And yes, there is a, an element of the fact that people feel more comfortable reporting homophobic crime to the bodies and the police now. But um, so, yes, so people. So, so, of course, figures will rise that way. Also, I think, yes, there is. And I'm going to be honest with the way I feel about it. I think people are feeling emboldened and um, able to go out and be homophobic um as i said i i met i'd had a couple of encounters this year myself um nothing massively physical but still um what i'd say is continue to report um even the smaller things because i didn't and people have said to me since that i should have reported um the fact that the um gentleman should we call him a gentleman the human the human male that pushed me um, on the escalator in London Bridge Station and said a lot of foul and offensive things. I probably should have reported that. And yeah, maybe I should. Um, all I really want to say is that I, if, if, if nothing else, I really and genuinely sincerely hope that this might bring the community together um, and all the in fighting and bickering and all the nonsense that goes on um, within the community, that that might all possibly stop. That's not going to stop, but it might reduce and that we might focus on the real deal, on the real issue, which is what I've said before. I think when I was in the 90s, when I was sort of at my height of being politicised, that when we did go out and march against um, lack of funding, illness, Section 28, all of those things, that there was an element of of the community was coming together, whether you were an L, a G, a B, a T or a Q, however you classed yourself, that there wasn't a feeling that we were all in this together and I think now's the time for that to happen. I just wanted to say that, just because I'm feeling that and I know that because of some of the podcasts I've done and that I'll be doing in the future, that it's not just um, gay men and their straight friends who listen to this podcast. It's people from all sections of the community and outside of the community that listen to this. Um, so let's hope that that happens. Let's hope from the negative and sometimes scary that some positives come out of it. So anyway, if we all keep saying this to each other, then maybe it will happen. Also this week, we have had the, um, I'm sure you've seen, if you haven't, 
try and look at it, but you might realise, you might discover you've been blocked by them. The questioning LGBT edu uh, on Twitter. LGBT, so questioning LGBT edu is the, the name um, of this account. And essentially they are, um, talking of homophobes, they're a bunch of extreme homophobes who um, who are reacting to a situation at a school in Birmingham um, and well the thing that's going to happen that they're, they're really really riled up about is that um, our parliament has approved um, an LGBTQ plus inclusive guidance about relationships in education um, this year and it's set to become compulsory in UK primary and secondary schools in September 2020 which is amazing news um but these people are very very annoyed by this um and have spent a huge amount of time going through and blocking finding people that have something lgbtq plus in their twitter profile and blocking them and friends of people it seems like now as well um, it's incredible the amount of time these people are spending on blocking people. Um, I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm shocked. Um, there, you know, lots of people have reported them to t- Twitter, and I hope that they get taken down from Twitter. But um, there was a point in the last couple of days where people were feeling, were saying how proud they were to have been blocked by such a a nasty bunch of human beings without me going and swearing too much um so anyway check that out and see if you are um and if you're not then um please um note them and report them to twitter um i didn't get the chance to report them i wish i had before i got blocked uh, i don't think i still can um i'm sure maybe there is a way but anyway all i would say is if if you if you've got the ability report them um and let's get these bastards taken down all right that's that that's all i'm going to say on that because they've had enough time in the spotlight so sod them now on to happier and fun things um i'm really excited to be heading down a week uh heading to margate pride in a few days time um it'll probably be done by the time i release this um as i'm preparing this uh, slightly earlier than normal so it's ready to go um but yes margate pride and i will give you the full lowdown on that um we are going to dreamland which is the amusement park and mel c melanie c um from the spice girls is playing a set with uh sync the pink which is a, a collective of lgbtq plus performers um, drag queens, kings, and other, um, and they are a strong force in Margate Pride. They are always uh, very there, and are a lot of fun, um, and do a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff in the world as well. So go and have a look at them, Sink the Pink. But anyway, Melanie C from the Spice Girls is going to be there. So um, I was a bit reluctant at first because I was being a misery, but actually I am really quite excited to be having some fun with some mates um singing along to 
some of her tunes and probably some Spice Girls numbers as well. So anyway, that's going to be fun. Um, but the other thing I'm very excited about at the moment is, and I'm enjoying so immensely, um, is the final season of Orange is the New Black. And if you haven't caught up, and I know some people dropped out, a friend of mine sort of uh, lost interest along the way but i would say jump back in again uh for this season for this final season because it's proving to be really emotional really funny um uh, people are saying it's probably the best season since the the very first season um i'm we're prolonging it so i haven't got to the end yet so i'm not going to give too much away but i'll just say the writing is on form um, the acting is on form and there is I've had a lot of tears so far and uh, we've still got a few to go but um, anyway go and watch that is all I'm going to say that's one of my recommendations this week is is Orange is the New Black I just yeah god I'm sad that it's going to be gone it's going to be over and what am I going to do and and have you watched Tales of the City yet anyway recommendations but uh, a musical one um, a couple of musical ones. Um, so there's a thing that's been released called the Clareville Grove Demos. It's an EP, and it's David Bowie, and it's it is it is demo sessions um, of well songs that are known and lesser known, including Space Oddity. But his voice, if you want to kind of hear Bowie in his um, he's still finding his voice. He sings on some of these tracks and he sounds almost angelic, choir boy-like. Um, the the voice that developed, it, it hadn't, it was, he hadn't fully found it then. And it's really, really interesting to hear him um, in this early form. Um, so I'd recommend go and listen to that. I think it's um, uh, six songs um two of which i knew and the rest i don't think i i was aware of or have been um on albums that i've not listened to for a long time but anyway um i should know better but yes anyway go and discover that um and then another album which is classed under it's a bit different from bowie this r&b and soul r&b and soul is an album by a singer called Laville, um, and the album is called The Wanderer. And basically, he's doing um, a brand of, and I don't want to put people off because I know some people will put. If I say acid jazz funk, it sounds I sound like incredibly like a middle aged man, but I mean I am. Um, but it is a really his voice is incredible, and we caught um, a couple of songs of his set. Uh, at the On Black Heath Festival and uh, I, I was feeling hungover to be quite honest at that point and I just stuffed a burger down my throat to uh, replenish myself and I just lay down on the floor but we were listening to this man sing and I thought okay this is something anyway I went back and discovered it also have discovered that he is singing on my favourite one of my favourite bands the brand new Hobie's new album but anyway this album by Laville is called The Wanderer um and it is 10 songs of pure acid jazz r&b um and i know a lot of my listeners do appreciate 
this kind of music too. So go and listen to that. Anyway, I think that's all my recommendations. Um, stay positive, gang. And let's jump in and have a chat with the marvellous Mr. Harry Hancock. Um, right, so here we are. And it is the 23rd of July. Yes. Correct. Good. Correct. Let's Test Good number one. Uh, 23rd of July. And it is 2019. I had to think about that then as well. Um, so I am with Harry Hancock. Hello. And I would describe you at the moment as playwright, director, actor, imaginative, creative, altogether, all-rounder. Yeah, I've, I've kind of flipped between the term general creative. General creative. But then I find sometimes that peers in the industry think you're just taking a bit of the piss, so I have to <laughs> label the various different <laughs> art forms I'm trialling at the moment. What's your? What would you say is the place that you are spending the most time creatively? God, that sounds pretentious, mm. but go. Um, directing at the moment yeah. um, is what I'm kind of doing primarily. It's where I'm sort of earning some money finally. Woohoo! Yes. Um, so yeah, I would say directing at the moment, but they're all they're all on the burners. Yeah. Um, I will also let you allow some time to discuss what you have been working on. Some fun things and some very exciting things that have been in town. And when I say in town, I mean in London in the West End. Yes, 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 yes. Um, which we will jump to later. Of course. Um, but, so, let's go back to the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so, Harry, first of all, let's, if you don't mind sharing, and know when doesn't like to discuss her age, how old oh, are no, you? And... I'm, I'm a mere 23. Feeling, feeling a little bit older, but up for 23. A baby in arms. Um, and uh, where, doesn't have to be the hospital, but no. where, where were you born and bred? I am a South East London boy. Yeah, um, With family uh, primarily from the north, so I've got quite strong roots in Manchester and in Hull. Um, ah. But I primarily, 90% uh, of my life have lived in South East London. Okay. But your family are, so your family are northerners? My family yes. are all northerners, yes. Oh. Um, and uh, so, how has being being at school in South East London as a person from our community? Yeah. How, how, let's just go back right to the to the to the from the beginning of school. Was school fun? I had a, a really mixed time at school. Um, I was very lucky to go to some really fantastic uh, schools during my uh, kind of primary education. Um, as in until I was 18 uh, and I in terms of my queer identity uh, I think one thing that I think about looking back on school is that because because of the lack of queer education we were just sort of oblivious to the fact that we weren't getting it and now looking back you know looking back at my sex education classes my yeah. uh, English classes my various different uh, lessons and educators um, there was no opportunity for me to express myself as a queer person and I think actually although it was to my detriment at times it was far more to the detriment of my peers because they now were struggling to understand queer people and particularly when I was at school they didn't understand me so I had yeah. some fantastic friends and I have a group of friends still who are my you know I've known for 10 years and we've known each other the ride or dies exactly the ride or dies but um yeah, I mean, there was, it was a difficult time. There was a lot of uh, fooling around with straight boys in bushes that wouldn't admit it. <laughs> um, did you suffer any bullying? I suffered... Um, I never suffered... It's a strange question, and the reason I, I should explain I asked this is because I've asked it to a lot of people, mm. and interestingly, uh, I thought it would be an age 
where it gets less and less, but that has no play in it at all. It mm. can just be environment and the part of the world that you've grown up in. And so, yeah, I'm intrigued to see. Yes, I mean, so I, su- school. I yeah, I suppose the the schools I went to, um, it was very rare that violence was around in the in the playground or in any place. So I. I've never been physically abused for being gay. I think I got punched in a nightclub, uh, but right. that, that was a that was a different circumstance. But no, at school it was very school. much. Um, it was very. It was, it was quite nasty in terms of it was it was very subliminal and very subconscious. So it was always behind my back and always sort of just I just you just think everyone's talking about you and I think yeah. particularly as I started to kind of experiment with makeup and with. Um, boys sure uh, there was a lot of rumours and a lot of um, things that went around I suppose so you were experimenting with I mean obviously you've said with boys but like just things like makeup that's during school yes well. so when I was when I I came out when I was uh, I fully came out obviously yeah. I did the, the the very problematic bisexual step into being gay which was just a load of bullshit um, <laughs> but uh, I yeah after I came out I felt quite liberated and was amazed at the kind of generally warm response that I got, particularly from my female friends. Um, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that empowered me to wear a shit ton of black eyeliner for a while. Um, <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, was that inspired by uh, people that you were... I mean, we're jumping all over, but was this inspired by people in the public eye that you looked up to? Was this just Harry's own thing? Or did um, people trigger you... In, in pop culture, I think definitely. So I mean, I was a, sh- I I was very much the generation of queers that worship Gaga, um, and I spent a lot of my. So she kind of became popular when I was uh, twelve, eleven or twelve. Oh my god, is it that long? She's been around for ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just over ten years. That's weird to think that it's wow. She because her first single was two thousand and eight. Oh uh, yeah, I mean of poker course. face and just dance, and I was yeah, I was That's... I was twelve. Crazy. Mental, isn't it? Wow, okay. Yeah. God, oh I know. God. How, how, what's, happened? what's happened to time? Oh my God, okay. So, so she was a big... So she, she was, I mean, when I was younger, I was massively obsessed with her. And she... Would you describe yourself as being a little monster? Oh God, I was, totally... I was... I mean, I don't get me wrong, I still love the woman, absolutely oh, ride yeah, or die, yeah. but um, I'm kind of a little bit over my time when I was like, I will get a tattoo of her face. Um, so anyway, um, she yeah she she meant a lot to me and there was a, there was a lot of there was a big period where me and two other queer friends at school, two girls, that's brilliant. You um, had that as well. And we had this thing that joined us. And I mean, we went to every concert. We camped out overnight at Twickenham Stadium. Oh my goodness! Like we were we were so hardcore. How many times have you seen her? Uh, I've seen her now seven times. Wow. Okay. But I've also done the like sit outside the hotel and the perfume launches as well so oh serious oh yeah 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 it's very it's 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 teetered off now but don't get me wrong when i'm when i'm in my car by myself she is the first thing that goes on amazing (laughs) we'll have to come back to that because i'm sure there's a lot of other things that have led you to other music and yeah film and stuff but yeah amazing so it's nice that you had not nice amazing and really empowering that you had somebody like that to you're the first person i've spoken to who has been of that age yeah of your age there's been some who have been older and you, you hit that mark yeah no she was literally my entire teenage years she was the, we'll yeah. have to talk about Madonna later then oh yes, yes. <laughs> um, brilliant thank you so 
so that was school. Um, so it passed without too much trauma. There was a lot of, I think one of the things I've, I talk about, one of the things I've, I've learned, and one of the reasons I'm writing the show I'm writing, yes. which we'll talk about later, yes. um, is because I was so unaware of the um, internalised homophobia that we all are sort of conditioned with as we grow up. And that a lot, a lot of that came from school. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that I wished I wasn't gay. And let's get, get a bit deep now. Yeah, no, but, go for it. But that I, I wished I was a straight woman. Okay. And because all my friends were very attractive, um, young women who were... Straight women. Straight women who were experimenting with guys and doing it without any of the... the um, just trauma the, goes, the, the, trauma, well, though. the just without any of the the, the stick, the work. any of the bollocks, yeah, yeah. Um, that comes with experimenting as a young gay man, yeah, um, or as a young queer person in general, yeah. Um, so I think that's that's where it came in is that I just wanted, like, I wanted the the husband and the boyfriend, but I wanted it from a very cis female straight point of view, yeah, which was a very strange thing, and I've talked a lot about it since since I've understood it I mean I, I, I that's that's really interesting that I don't think I think you wouldn't be alone yeah in that um, and I think that a lot of people because what especially if your friends are straight white women doing that following yeah. that pattern why wouldn't you yeah so at what point did you kind of realize okay this is not this is not about um, necessarily wanting to be a straight woman when did you say okay there is this veers off from I want to follow mm. that path and I mean which was one you could have done obviously as we know now yeah um, well I, I mean if I'm really honest with you I only I only really uh, worked out the thing about the, the, the straight woman um, in the last year or so right um, just as through um, I think leaving drama school was a, a, a big thing for me because if I'm honest, during drama school, I struggled with um, being queer for quite a long time because so little of the drama school curriculum is any queer writing. And I, I spent a long time feeling a little bit angry because while all of my straight peers in my year, and actually, ridiculously, I was the only openly gay man in the three years of acting at Art Said. Really? While I was there, which was just ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I know, mental. Um, so... That I know, I know. On the musical theatre course, of course, there were yeah, lots yeah, of, yeah, 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 um, gay guys, but, but yeah, cra- I know, crazy, crazy. Anyway, yeah, um, and I, I was a bit angry because everyone around me was sort of, especially in the, the stages of first year when you're just starting to get to terms of character and, and understand your your uh, acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was having to play against my type immediately, which shouldn't be an issue but I, I very much felt at the time that it was it was setting me back yeah. um, because I was having to really feign emotions that I just didn't have towards women um, and of course a lot of plays are about love and about uh, relationships and about sure. sex and things um, so I found that quite tough yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and actually during drama school only in kind of towards the end of third year when I met a fantastic director called Lynette Linton who I'm good friends with um, did I really start to talk about and play queer people and, and that's really what I was always passionate about which is why since I left drama school 
what I've been focusing my time on is queer it's work. creating that, yeah. Yeah, because it's just so important. So, that, so you did zero, you didn't even touch on queer writers or...? Um, there were a couple of queer writers. We didn't do any queer writing, um, but there were obviously queer characters that popped up. Right. Um, but of course, lots of the straight men got the opportunity to play them. And it's not that I didn't play queer people, I did. Yeah. In a couple of smaller projects. Right. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a strange time and a little bit alienating because in the teaching staff, only one member of staff actually said to me, you know, we should talk about the fact that you're gay, um, and everyone else was a straight man, so didn't need to didn't need to have a, a didn't need to have that conversation, yeah, discussion in their mind. Yeah. Wow, that's quite that's rare actually that mm. you that you were the only person really rare, or yeah, the only person who was open about it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what was the first that, that's I'm going to go off slightly off so what was the first piece of queer theatre that you saw mm. that you remember kind of go I mean even if it wasn't necessarily advertised as but something yeah. that struck you and you went oh right there we go that's something that I really feel akin to I feel drawn to I feel touches something yeah so I mean in the in the most recent like in recent years um, the queer theatre that's been on that I've seen has just been like transformational for me because it's firstly seeing yourself on stage is such a powerful thing and something that as a kid I didn't see that much so when I first saw queer men on stage particularly um, towards the femme end of the spectrum um, that was a huge deal for me um, uh, in terms of theatre um, if I'm honest, I can't pinpoint a specific production. No. Um, ones that stand out in my head that I will always remember are um, The Inheritance, because it was just one of, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I cared deeply, deeply about that show um, and <laughs> have ummed and hard about whether it's appropriate to take a sneaky trip to New York just to go and see it again on Broadway. Um, if you can do it, if, do it. If we can do it, yeah. I mean, uh, the finances are not quite there yet, mm -hmm. but you know, it's on for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and then uh, a show called Hot Gay Time Machine, which was written by... Oh, no, okay. It was written by Toby Marlowe, who wrote Six, the musical. Okay. Um, and directed by Lucy Moss, who also wrote Six, the musical. Um, and it is the most fantastic celebratory um, show that very, so it's, uh, I'm very much a, a white middle class person um, uh, and a bit of a, a kind of, what's the best way of putting it, um, to my own detriment, um, kind of struggle and always I'm an are about what's appropriate for me to say and write. Um, but what I really loved about what Toby did with the show, because he's from a similar background, yeah. is completely self-deprecated himself uh -huh. and um, it was just full of, of complete mockery and then made everything that he was doing so much more palatable because it was so it was from a place of such understanding and so from such a place of uh, I mean I just think as, as, a, as a middle class especially as a white writer you've, you've got to be aware of your bloody privilege <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yes yes yeah Amazing. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna. I will Google that later on and, and spend some time. Bloody brilliant show. Because um, I'm always good for new stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, how how aware of you of plays or like? Um, have you ever seen Torch Song Trilogy, for instance? I haven't. No. One for you to remember. Okay. It's <laughs> a note it's, down. It's being noted as um, we speak. It was the first piece of queer theatre, and this is for anybody listening. Yeah. That uh, that ever really affected me, and it's about a drag queen. And some of it now, of course, is dated because it was written in 
mid to late 80s. Yeah. So some things, a lot of things have changed in our world, but a lot of things remain the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, homophobic attacks, and I don't want to give you too many spoilers, but it's, it's a trilogy, so yeah. hence the title. And, and three slightly different time frames. One character goes throughout the drag queen, different parts of his life. One is quite sexual, one is quite traumatic, and one is with a mother. Okay. Uh, a Jewish mother. Mm. It was played in the film version by Anne Bancroft. Okay, Which you can go and discover. This is the film as well, so you don't need to find. Maybe read the play and then. Anyway, I'm waffling. No, but no, no, please. it's just to give you something that's kind of from my from my end of the Well, no, scale. If, if I'm honest, my a lot of my initial queer experiences, certainly my some of my first sexual, I suppose, urges or like understandings came from film. Um, well, I mean, I mean, Priscilla was a film. My mum, my mum's fantastic and incredibly supportive, mm. and. I, and knew far before I did what the situation was as a lot of mothers do yes um, but she when I was I think six or seven maybe showed me Priscilla and um, <laughs> and that was it for really I was I was obsessed with drag and um, although it took me a long time to pluck up the courage to actually do it sure um, well actually that's not true I, I spent a while when I was a kid doing drag at talent shows uh-huh. um, none the wiser of what the social implications of that were um, and actually my mother got quite a lot of stick from parents about it not oh. that I ever found out um, but I, be- I became aware of it wasn't normal in inverted uh, commas yeah but yeah, so then for most of my teenage years, I was like, no, not doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I promise. Yeah. I can fit into hetero society. Ah. Of course. And then, yeah, got to, got to kind of 21 and was like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, have, haven't looked back since, really. Amazing. So um, have, you, have, you perform, have you done drag as a performance, like a full-on? Yeah, okay. So I, I kind of, um, I'm yet to do a, a full-on uh, drag show. But I now um, do hosting in drag, so like oh, I, I like really? welcome to events and stuff like that. Um, I oh, do okay. I do quite a lot of photo shoots and stuff. Um, so basically, I just have a lot of fantastic queer friends who um, are interested in gender fucking and just switching things up a bit. And my drag, I sort of I've written an article actually about it in a in a oh, mag- magazine that my friend has created called Mother Tongue. Um, it's all about. Okay. It's all where about, can where can we find? Uh, I will. So Mother Tongue. If you give me the links, I can always. Add yes, it to of the course. End, but, yeah, um, so Mother Tongue is available um, via the Instagram page, which oh, okay. is. Give me one second. It is Mother underscore Tongue underscore Zine Z I N E. Perfect. Uh, and that's a really fantastic uh, intersectional feminist magazine. That is uh, the first issue focusing on body and explores everything from drag and the relationship um, that drag kind of has to the male body and what it means mm. to um, be hyper femme as a man um, and then also everything from that to eating disorders and to body dysmorphia uh, and various other oh, things as well. It's a okay. really fantastic magazine. Which I think is something that we need to be talked oh, about yes. a lot. Um, well that's good to hear, positive. Um, uh, as we're on the topic, I mean, mm. we're going to jump all around. We are, yes. Um, <laughs> no yeah. structure today. No structure. <laughs> um, just to let you know, audience, I took an antidepressant for the first time today. So I'm a little bit foggy, because I do tell everyone on my podcast. No, I was, I've been listening know. to a few episodes. I've been loving it. <laughs> I just waffle on about how I'm feeling. But anyway, so I tried that today, and I'm not loving it. But anyway, we'll come back to that another time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if I do waffle more than ever, that's the reason. Um, 
So yes, drag. Mm. We have to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The obvious. Um, what are your feelings currently? Because we don't need to go on about uh, the origins of, of. Well, we know about RuPaul's origins, and that's of a course. whole episode in itself. Yeah. But how do you feel that televisual drag mm. has affected the queer community and well, and the drag community as well at large? Do mm. you feel it has, or? So I have a, I have a, um, an interesting, I have, I have, I have a very, uh, what's the word? I have a strong relationship with um, TV drag. Yeah. And it's primarily because, well, two things. Firstly, sadly, and I'm very embarrassed to say it, but as a, as a young teenager, kind of when I was first uh, talking about my sexuality and recognising my sexuality, yeah. um, I really disliked drag because of the way it was presented in the media and the way it was presented as weak and that and that femme I basically I'd never seen femme men yeah. which is what I was yeah, and yeah, am yeah, yeah. Um, portrayed as strong ever sure I'd never seen a um, sissy man a, uh, a queer guy who was femme uh, ever be portrayed as this powerhouse of, of strength um, and it wasn't until I started watching Drag Race yeah. that I, for the first time, saw the strength in queer men, and particularly the strength in feminine queer men. And that men, I can't even tell you how much to me. Um, so, although as the show's gone on, I believe it's very much um, catering to the populace, and sadly a lot of it's the hetero populace, which I, I take big issue with. Yes. Um, but. In its, in its primitive form and the way it's, the, 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 what it's done for queer culture and for particular drag culture, um, I think is wonderful. Unfortunately, as is with Pride this year, as is with all of the commercialization of, of queer culture, there is always going to be bandwagon corporations, <coughs> Barclays, that, um, <laughs> that come, and, yeah. come and use our, our flag, not necessarily for the right purposes, but unfortunately, that is an effect of popular becoming part of popular culture. So, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Um, we as queer people yeah. write shows like we're doing. Yeah. Um, we constantly push for the parts of queer identity that aren't being as celebrated mm. to go to the forefront. So, you know, intersex, non-binary, asexual. Um, non-binary trans um, and, and make a huge effort I think which is what I'm trying to do in the show I'm writing yes. in uh, celebrating those voices um, and you know whilst uh, gay men like myself have been around since time in memoriam and have done a huge amount they are also the absolute face of the queer community in a lot of people's eyes which is just not the case yeah. um, so I'm interested in championing other voices using the privilege that I suppose I have as a cis white gay man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll come back to talk, we'll talk more about the particular show at the end. Yeah. Um, but as we are leading into talking about your particular show, piece, I wouldn't call it a show because it's a piece, it's a, it's a, it's a, a project, a project, darling, a project. A project. Um, show just makes me always think jazz. <laughs> I mean, there might yeah. be some jazz hands I mean, in that's there. fine. <laughs> that's fine. But um, so where did, where did, 
what was the nucleus of this? Because you're writing with uh, a young lady called Teresa Rendell. Yes, yeah. Uh, did I pronounce it? You did, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, hello, Teresa. Um, hello, so darling. how did that come about? How did, what's the origins? Yeah, sure. So, um, as I say, when I left drama school, I felt a little bit uh, non-queer in that I'd just seen all of this fantastic queer work and I wasn't a part of any of it. Um, and it, it made me sad. And I was hugely passionate about um, creating something that A, champion queer people and voices that we don't always hear from the queer community, but also um, that gave a group of queer people an opportunity to um, connect and get to know each other and um, form a wider group over a period of time through the kind of journey of the project itself. So we created a group called uh, LGBTQ Plus Stories and it's basically a collective of people that we interviewed over the course of about six months from uh, December to around uh, May um, this year. And uh, we've basically taken uh, the interviews that we've done very much like the one we're having today um, and created uh, stories, characters and uh, monologues in, an, in a wider piece to champion those people and uh, it's very much fiction but it's based in the truth of their reality which is something that I thought was really important because it's my first time writing um, but also I am, as I say, a uh, cis white gay man with no experience of, well no personal experience of being trans or being black and queer or being anything apart from my own uh, identity and so one of the things I am really proud of and I do think resonates in the show is that each voice that is um, given and is offered comes from a real place of truth and I I do believe that uh, it's one of the first shows to really um, put things across in such a upfront and honest way which I'm excited about. Yes no absolutely and listeners just to say that I, I uh, went along and did a, a morning of one of the workshop days with Harry and uh, I was just saying to him before we started recording that there that it was the first time I'd ever listened to a story, an, an A story and for me that was quite enlightening and A saw A, A yeah yeah A saw asexual um, that was just something that I that in my part of the community isn't really talked about mm. or assumptions are made so for me that was super empowering and then you were saying that you whether it's because of you being more aware because you're writing on the subject around the subject that you saw more of that at pride this year you saw more diversity i noticed it more yeah yeah Yeah. well it's an interesting conversation about um ace people because uh the people that we uh interviewed for it very sadly felt well firstly one of the people we interviewed was surprised that we asked to interview them right. um, because they have often felt very ostracised from the queer community primarily because they aren't having sex and a lot of our existences and the reasons we're not allowed to exist in some places and environments is because of who we choose to love and have sex with Sure. Um, so inherently I think there's an issue there and there is a lot of internalised um, prejudice against ace people within the queer community unfortunately yeah um, absolutely yeah so it's, it's a really uh, interesting and fantastic topic to talk about because people are just starting to have the conversation and what I, I'm really looking forward to with the show is, is just hearing people's thoughts on it and 
wondering whether they've ever thought about it in the way that it's portrayed in the show. Yeah. Um, do you want to just, while we think about it, yeah. also just give um, the addresses for anything, whether it's Insta or web, yeah, to, of course. to find uh, you and the project so of they course. can follow? So, so you're all ready. Um, so my website, which is where the um, information primarily for the show is on, is www.harryjhancock.com. Uh, and then the LGBTQ plus stories page is on there. Uh, our Instagram is stories LGBTQ. Uh, and as far as it goes for now, that is the only uh, social medias and things we have. Okay. But the Twitters are on the way, as are other things. But yeah, our Instagram and our website are the way we, we primarily reach people. Good. And I will, again, I'll, I'll stick links to this on the page. So. Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, so how did you and Teresa come to be working together? A school friendship? or? Yeah, so Teresa and I were at um, school together. And we <laughs> have been through all sorts over the years. Um, you know, both suffered from various forms of mental health over the years. Um, as you do as a young queer person uh, often and basically have just been united in our uh, love of cheap Prosecco <laughs> and uh, all things queer and when we both finished so she uh, graduated from Oxford the same time I graduated from Art Zed, uh, and she is a uh, writer uh, a zine she created Mother Tongue um, and uh, there we go she, yeah and yes. she also is a freelance journalist um, and she sort of we marry each other very well because I run around the room while we're writing, just sort of shouting things and being a bit overly dramatic. And she manages to formulate them. Yeah, and she manages to formulate them and yeah. rein me in when necessary. Um, yeah, so she's fantastic. We've known each other for a very long time now. So uh, a, grounding, a grounding influence on your, on your artistic bent. Some, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, obviously, when it happens, mm. I will talk about it when you've got f further places for people to... So they're being attacked by flying ants currently. Um, for people to find you and the project yeah. when it's at uh, a place where the audience are paying to come to see you. Yeah, um, I know. Or you want to invite them in to, to get feedback. So I can... I will talk about that. Yeah. Um, so your next steps, the next couple of steps you... Yeah, have it. it sounds like you have planned already for the show. So. Yeah, so one of the things that's so fantastic about our community is the willingness of people to give their time, love, support, energy. I mean, I really don't think this show could have got to where it's gotten already um, with the amount of people that have helped on it mm. without, with, it, with any other community because, my God, we have just been so lucky. I mean, you, you've given up so much time towards it, so many people. Um, I mean, Matt, the absolute trooper, came on his birthday to our R&D session. And it was a perfect way to start a birthday. But, I mean, that is, you know, that is that is a beautiful thing to do for, for people. And, of course, I'm not able to pay anyone at the moment, so it's a really, it's really formative stages. But, um... How many people did you, did, cause how many, what, what kind of level of response did you get? Yeah, so we interviewed, we got a lot of response. Obviously, there's always going to be people who sort of say things and then don't follow through. So we actually interviewed about 25 people. That's amazing. Um, and R&D, we had uh, just under 15. Yeah. And then the next R&D that we're planning on doing uh, at the beginning of September uh, will be a kind of two, three days where we'll actually stage some of it and see it on its feet. Because as a director writing, all of it is a lot in my head and how it's going to look physically. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of at a stage where I need to just get it up a little bit and see how it looks. And then the plan is to uh, do a rehearsed read towards the end of September with uh, the various industry contacts that I can milk for all their work. Yeah. Um, just again, we're going to jump, but directing-wise, yes. uh, let's go back, because I did say at the beginning, 
Um, so you're, you've, been, you've worked with Lynette Linton. Could you explain who that is to people who aren't necessarily yeah, with <clears throat> London Theatre World? Of course. So um, Lynette is one of the most fantastic directors I've ever worked with and she is uh, also a mentor of mine. Um, so when I was in my final year at ArtsEd, um, she, so one of the things they do at ArtsEd, which is really fantastic actually, um, and I do really champion them for it, is they, um, at the beginning of second year, hire two writers to write uh, a show each for the third year. Um, so that it's a two year project that they do. And at the end of your third year, you perform the plays that have been written specifically for your year group. Oh, that's amazing, I didn't know that. It's really wonderful, yeah, it's really wonderful. Um, Which is, as I say, why the end of Artsed was really a fantastic time. Um, So Roy Williams wrote the play that I uh, was lucky to be in called This Is, uh, and Lynette was on board to direct it. Mm -hmm. So through the course of the show, uh, we became close, Mm -hmm. and I, being the the little imp that I am, um, would every now and then sort of chip in a thought on what I thought we could do on, on stage and something that might be a problem solver yeah. um, and Lynette uh, really got on board with that one of the things that's really fantastic about her is she champions young people like there is no tomorrow right. um, so basically I sort of said to her after we finished the show uh, we also bonded over love of Hamilton which is uh, an, another story but yeah anyway um, but we yeah I said to her after the show I'd really love to just come and shadow you for a bit or come and see um, sit in a rehearsal room but a professional one not a, a, yeah. a, a drama school one and she basically took a punt on me and I was incredibly lucky and she invited me to firstly come and sit in on an R&D for a show that we did um, when it was this hot last year actually um, and it was uh, a really fantastic show called It Always Matters um, and that's hopefully going to be on in her new season of The Bush because she's now the oh, Bush amazing. artistic director amazing yes um, with Bush, anyway, Bush is a theatre in um, yes. West London. Yeah, the Bush Theatre, really yeah. fantastic venue. Um, and anyway, sorry, I'm warbling on. No, 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 no go. Um, basically, she invited me to assistant director on a show for the National Youth Theatre called Function, um, which was a new show that we put on at the Criterion uh, in September last year. And from there on in, really, I've just worked with her quite a lot. So we did a show uh, that's just finished in the West End. It finished on Saturday night called Sweat. Yes. which was on at the Donmar Warehouse yes. uh, and then transferred to the Gilgood in the West End. Uh, and I was very lucky to have basically shadow assist her on that, which meant I was able to be in the rehearsal room, add notes, and basically just absorb everything I possibly could working with some of the most fantastic actors in company that I've ever sure. had the privilege to be a part of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a big, that was a big deal, big, big deal. So what other projects have you uh, directed on since leaving school? Yes, so uh, those two with Lynette. Yeah, which uh, is I, quite a lot time yeah no definitely <laughs> you've only just left really in, in my in the longer scale bigger scale yeah but yeah it's, it's yeah it's time. a strange one it, it it yeah it's 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 a very exciting time um i directed a show called community uh which came through an actor that i met doing function with lynette at um the criterion uh that show was the first professional show that I've actually fully directed. Yeah, where was that? Um, so it was on at the Cellar Theatre in Sheffield, which is a really lovely little fringe venue. And then it moved on to uh, the Roundhouse in Camden, uh, just for one night, which was uh, the 12th of June this year. Yeah. Um, and it went fantastically. We sold out both runs, um, and the show is hopefully going to be at Fringe next year. Uh, so oh, okay. we're, we're kind of in, in talks with various different sponsors and things at the moment, trying to oh, get amazing. that on its feet. 
Um, but yeah, it was fantastic and an amazing experience working with a female comedy duo on a show all about ripping the shit out of the North of England, which is something I, being part Northern and also yeah, being a Londoner, yeah. I'm quite good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when we say, just so, again, people who don't know when we say fringe, we talk about Edinburgh. Yes, Edinburgh Fringe. Festival Fringe, Fringe Festival. Which starts very soon. Which is, yeah. It's a matter of like, days. Yeah, it's going to say people are going. Yeah. Oh, they're not already there. Um, any any tips on shows to see there? Because I haven't got anyone coming to talk to me this year. Ooh. About any yes, I shows. do, actually. Oh, yes, I do. Um, I can do some plugs. <laughs> so, uh, a really fantastic show that's going up this year, um, which I really heavily recommend, is Happily Ever Pufter. And it is all about... Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> it is all about uh, the gay Prince Charming struggle through the rewriting of Disney songs. Uh-huh. Um, and it, is, uh, it was on at uh, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, the RVT. Um, it was on at um, the Two Brewers. And it's also been on at Canal Cafe. And yet yeah, is now going to the Fringe. My very good friend Simone Murphy has choreographed it. And my friend Rich, uh, who is a really fantastic guy who speaks very openly about his um, struggle with HIV. Yeah. Um, he is the lead in it, it's a one-man show. And he plays, he plays uh, Prince Henry. I have seen the, I have seen, I've seen, yes, I've yeah. seen the show. Yes, 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 amazing. So that's very good, okay. I recommend. And um, second one? Second one, uh, oh bugger, what's it called? <laughs> oh, my friend's in it. Um, Don't worry, we'll come back to it. We'll yeah, I'll Google it in a second yes. and find it for you. Um, so, uh, there is so, just so much to get through when I, and it's boiling hot. I don't want to keep you in the sun all day. Well, no, this is nice. We've got a little this shady spot. Nice, I'm really enjoying this temperature. Ready for the champagne, even though it's only 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah. It's one of those days. <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, what was your first experience outside of school and theatre, being in, an, uh, in a dedicated queer space? Whether it be a bar or a, a youth group? Yeah, or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'll be honest. Actually, my f- my very f- was it my very first my very first time in a club was actually a bit of a freaky one, um, in in a, in a queer club that is. Yeah. Um, but it also happened to be the fir- my first time in a club as well. I was six- oh, okay. I was sixteen. Yeah. Um, and had managed to um, procure a a very invalid fake ID from somewhere, um, and I. Yeah, went into uh, there's a bar, there's a bar, I don't know if it still exists. But there's a club called Union in Vauxhall, um, oh which no, which is part sex club, part dance club. Right, but okay. they've got dark rooms and stuff upstairs. Okay. Um, and if I'm honest, it was a little bit of a bad experience for me just because I was very young and it was it, there was a little bit of a predatory vibe in there. Sure, um, it was sure, very sure. very druggy, very that sort of environment. Um, having said that, I don't really count that because it was. I was basically going from a friend's birthday and she'd managed to get us in because it was her eight. It was, sure. it, was a, it was a long story, but it didn't was... really know the, the full extent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, a, that was a, an experience and actually something that I've written about quite a lot since. But I... Fair enough, yeah. Um, in terms of my other uh, gay places, I adore Dalston. Um, I love Dalston Superstore. Uh-huh. I, of course, have spent many a night in heaven. Um, I, when I was kind of growing up I think a lot of people my age spent a lot a lot of queer people spent time in Jayway Late and um, 
and kind of freedom I spend a lot of time freedom. in oh my Free- freedom although I actually don't really rate it that much as a gay club anymore no. their Monday kinky cabaret nights are fantastic fair enough okay. um, I don't know I've never been but yeah kinky cabaret is very good it's uh, basically a celebration of queer musical theatre so it's hosted okay. by a drag queen and it's all um, kind of basically shows from the West End come in and do uh, different uh, songs and little crickets from the show but it's it's very celebratory and it's, like, it's a good night out I would recommend it so if you were to go out now, you would go to Dalston would be your um, first I, I would say Dalston is the most authentically modern queer place to go out. Yeah, okay. um, It is a complete genderfuck. Anything goes, mm-hmm. and it, it really is celebratory. Whereas, of course, because of the popularisation of, of queer culture, a lot, you know, you're always going to get hetero people just wanting to go out and have a good time. Um, in Soho and in particularly in heaven yeah. yeah 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 and listeners if you want to go back and listen to about four episodes ago I chatted to DJ Neil Prince who is one of the DJs at Dalston Superstore amongst ah, other places so uh, yeah so you can go and have a you can go and have a listen to I that will like to listen well. to that one yes yes and we talk a lot about the pop culture obviously and yes yeah, yeah. and Bananarama but anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talking of which so um, let's go through some of your your favourites. Yeah. Um, your favourite... So, no, no, actually, in fact, let's just... Before we go to the favourites, let's go to your... We've talked about Gaga. So, outside of Gaga... Yeah. Who, as a... as a Maybe even as a, as, as a, as a boy, and I'm talking about in your... In your five, six, seven-year-olds... Yeah. Who, apart from CBBs... <laughs> oh, I was not. I was Nickelodeon all the way. Oh, oh. SpongeBob SquarePants, eat your heart. Oh, there we go. Okay, so <laughs> even that's cancelled out. That so <laughs> something a bit more colourful. But yes, as far as pop culture as a as a boy, yeah. What, what what who were things that you were looking at and being excited by, and perhaps the triggered tingles? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so like most kids, I suppose. I so I I only live with my mother. I don't know my father. But um, I, and I'm also a single child, so we're, we're a very tight-knit family. But I would listen to, obviously, her music when I was a kid. And that was very much um, Bowie, Queen, um, a lot of ABBA, like a lot of ABBA. Um, I was a big Steps kid. I was obsessed with Steps for a while. Oh, my God. Um, and I unashamedly do know most of the lyrics to most of their songs. Not, not so much the new stuff, it's pretty tripe but um god the old stuff i used to like they were my first concert um you knew the moves i i knew the moves i still do um, but no definitely in terms of early days inspirations definitely uh freddie mercury and queen sure um, he meant a huge amount to me what are your feelings on bohemian rhapsody um i uh, i did really enjoy it actually um i enjoyed seeing i thought Rami Malek's portrayal was phenomenal and I disagree that the teeth thing was an issue I thought oh. I thought it really added to the character yeah. um, I, 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 I take issue with both Rocketman and Bohemian Rhapsody um, in that we're at such an exciting time in the queer movement currently to see so many queer films coming out in the popular spectrum not just in a niche way in an independent way um, and why the fuck are we not finding good queer actors to play these massive queer roles? Yeah. Um, you know, I understand that any actor should be able to play any role to an extent. Yeah. But, um, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, Alan Turing, 
um, what's his name, uh, Eddie Redmayne sure. in um, The Danish Girl. Yeah. These are roles that could be played by trans, by um, phenomenal actors who have not had the opportunity yet. And I am a little bit sick of seeing cis, straight, white men play all of these roles. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure you're a fan of Pose. Oh my God, I love Pose so much. Um, yes. First big TV show to yeah. really to, to, to follow its truth. Yes. Oh my goodness, yeah. I could not recommend Pose any higher. And also Jeanette Mock, um, who writes it and has just signed a massive... She's the first ever um, black trans woman, trans woman yeah. um, to sign a big uh, writing deal with a huge company like Netflix ever. Yeah. Uh, it's a massive moment in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would recommend looking her up. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of another hero from now, which we'll come to. Mm. Um, so, uh, I mean, other than at the time of your blossoming, um, yes. other than Gaga, who other people, other people that you were that touched nerves? Um, I mean, I'm I'm very much a, a kid of my my teenage years. I, I love Beyonce. I think she's honestly one of the most formidable artists. Um, I always think people can do more for the queer community. I still think that of Gaga sometimes. Um, but I think uh, Beyonce as an artist is a, an absolute powerhouse and I, I sort of, I can understand people might not like her music, but I defy anyone to deny her talent. I think she's, oh, yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, who else do I love? I love Years and Years. I think uh, Ollie Alexander is really fantastic. Um, I am really into a artist who's not actually queer, but he writes a lot of uh, queer kind of ideas in his music yeah. and he, a lot of his music actually is, is in my show uh, he's called Hayden James he's an Australian artist um, yeah. I'd really recommend giving him a listen some really cool yeah. kind of slightly electro stuff um, but sorry growing up people I love yeah no no, um, no. I mean, it really was Gaga and also I, I, I my music taste is very much like old school disco and funk yeah so a lot of uh, and soul like a lot of Stevie um, a lot of that sort of music and then well I have to say you also uh, you opened your workshop with oh. Lizzo I'm obsessed with Lizzo <laughs> obsessed which I think everybody in the world is currently yes doing yeah but, um, that that made me very happy yeah I saw her live a couple of um, months ago oh did you and she's just oh she's she is everything we need at the moment and more mm-hmm. um, yeah I have things why people are, jump, are jumping on that yeah. Such enthusiasm. I mean, she can almost do no wrong, to be honest. Yeah, let's um, Long may she reign. One thing I, I don't know if you've seen anything about mm. that she did an interview with, but uh, Jamila Jamil yeah. is currently doing a new project called I Way. It's all about body positivity. Oh, uh, it's a big yeah. Instagram move. I think it's I underscore way. Yeah. Um, but Lizzo, did, she did an interview with Sam Smith, also an interview with Lizzo, and some other really interesting um, artists. Obviously, Sam Smith just started identifying as non binary. Yes. Um, I would really, yeah, I'd really recommend oh, having okay. a look. And we love her as well. Yes, um, we love Jamila. For so many reasons. Yeah. For being really funny unexpectedly. Who knew she was a comedy actress? <laughs> and then, um, what's it called? An activist. What's the show? She's in. Um, oh my God. One of my favourite shows. The Good Place. Have you seen? I haven't seen it. <gasps> right. I know, I know. I've okay. heard. I've heard good things. And this is the, it's on, the one on Netflix with, on um, ne- uh, what's the blonde, blonde um, lady's name? Uh, what's her name? Kristen, no, yes. Kristen Bell. Bell. Kristen Bell. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Kristen Bell, uh, Jimmy Mill, and Ted Danson. Yes. And she is incredible in that. She's a revelation because I just we just knew her. I knew her as 
a presenter, but the world has discovered that she's an, an amazing comedy actress. So yeah. watch that recommendation. Um, so any books and authors uh, that have touched you, whether it's, I mean, across the board now, I'm not just saying from books that you would say touch nerves or authors that have, even if it's just flashes that have been inspirational to you yeah I mean I know now it's a massive uh, hit TV show but a, a long time ago when I was 16 read The Handmaid's Tale and that was um, something that, that meant a lot to me just because this well it means a lot now because the the idea of this dystopian world was so so impossible in my head at, as a 16 year old and living in today's time is utterly terrifying I, I actually just watched the um, the panorama that was on last night about the Alabama um, uh, abortion situation. Oh, yes, it's, I didn't see it. It's, it's, well, it'll be on iPlayer, but yeah, I really yeah. recommend it. It's very interesting. Um, other fiction or writing? Um, I'm actually, so I'm really into uh, autobiographies. There's a lot I've read recently, so I could not recommend um, Robert Webb's How Not To Be A Boy anymore. Oh, really? Oh, it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic, yeah. Okay, because I have... I was listening to a podcast, he was promoting it, and yeah. it's, I was, okay, so you think it's one to read, okay. Yeah, I really do. Um, it's, it, 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 describe, it defines toxic masculinity in such a crisp, um, kind of, uh, what's the word, palatable way. Right. But in, in a way that just is very clear and to the point, and sure. also is utterly hilarious. Um, yeah. Jacob Tobias' book, um, Sissy, A Coming of Gender Story, uh, okay. Uh, I really, really love uh, about a... What's Jacob it? Tobias. Jacob Tobias. Okay. Um, and it's on... I listened to the audiobook, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fantastic read yeah. or listen. Um, and uh, just for fun, because yeah. I know this is, this is from... Uh, I, I pinched this from a TV show uh, where a gentleman interviews actors in a studio uh, in LA, and it's very dry. But anyway, your favourite word... My favourite word. Um, ooh, ooh. And why? Oh, God. <laughs> Shit on it. This, Those it's, are good it's, words. It's, it's my, fa- my favourite word because I, as the, <laughs> the uneducated um, uh, gay man that I am, thought it meant something completely different. And it's Go a on. word to do with vaginas. Uh, oh, that I thought meant something to do with food. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Right, okay, oh. the mind... Oh, what would it be? Cunnilingus, yes. Cunnilingus, yes. Yes, cunnilingus was one of my favourite... I thought cunnilingus was a type of pasta. <laughs> that is... This there's is, something this there is, to be used. This is up until a year ago, and my friend... And I, was, I was like... I was like, oh, I had cunnilingus the other night. <laughs> thinking, that, thinking that this specific type of kind of spiral spaghetti... And you were like, with pesto? Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so yeah, cunnilingus yeah. is one of my favourite words. And I, I make a real habit of using it often, even though I've just forgotten it. And now you, but now it's going to be in your head for life. It is, it is, yeah. Um, and your least favourite word and why? Uh, my least favourite word... Um, it's plain, it's just faggot. Plain and simple, it's faggot. Sure. Um, I, I, I've ummed and awed about the kind of reclaiming of the word faggot. And I... I really uh, like, uh, like allow and allow. It's not the right word. I really appreciate people who um, have chosen to reclaim it. For me, it's steeped in too much horrific history 
to ever really want to use it for myself. Um, but I, I understand why people do, and I, I, I'm all about reclaiming. I mean, reclaiming the word queer is one of the one of the best well, things I think we've ever done. You see, that's the thing. And I, I, if you'd said to me, maybe twenty years ago, maybe yeah. a bit more, if the, I would allow myself to be under an umbrella of that word, I was just at the cusp, and it took very, very political people to convince me. Yeah. Um, a group called ACT UP, which I'm sure you have yeah. heard about. Yeah. Uh, it was them. But it, initially it was like, oh, this is jarring. Now, of course not. Yeah. So I wonder if in 20 years that will be the same. But I hope so. I, mean, I, I suppose it was just less. used a bit too much in my childhood yeah. in right. a negative way to be able... To it's me. an aggressive word. It yeah. still sounds really aggressive. So. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> because we started veering off talking about drag race pure and purely and simply because mm. a lot of the listeners do love drag race yeah. uh, from wherever they come from in the world who are your two favorite drag race queens of all time and why yes uh, there's a lot to choose from there's a lot to choose from the two that come to mind well things i've seen a lot of them live now as well sure. so and if i'm honest with you the live experience sometimes propels them into a new stratosphere and sometimes really brings them down um, so I I will and always adore Bianca Del Rio yep. um, you can't get away from her I think she's fucking hilarious um, and also a real success story in using Drag Race in the most beneficial way she physically could which I think is a, a testament to her because a lot of queens I feel just ride the drag race train for all it's physically worth whereas she has taken the platform and used it in a completely different yeah. way yeah. which I think is fantastic um, and that's what I if I was to ever be on drag race ooh, UK drag race um, yes uh, if that was to ever happen I, that's what I would aim to do stadium tours stadium tours that's, that's, where, <laughs> that's where we're going here um, and then my other favourite queen uh, l- 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 um, well, there's one there. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's really difficult. Yeah, no, no, I know. I, I would, on the spot. I would say <sighs> Sasha Valor. Okay. Um, she is again someone who's taken the platform and gone. You know, she's very graceful. She celebrates Drag Race and all that's given her. But she, firstly, is non-binary. Um, she identifies um, in such an unapologetically different way and presents in such an unapologetically different way um, and I'm sure many of you will have seen that lip, that lip sync with the ginger wig where the petals come and I can't watch that footage without getting complete body goosebumps I really can't um, I she's actually plug she's doing a um, her first solo show coming to the UK I want to say in a couple of months okay. called Nightgowns. Oh, Nightgowns, yes. yes, um, yes and it's really in New York. Yes, so yeah, but it's yeah. really just alternate and um, just really queer. Like, it's really queer in, in the most positive way. Um, and I, yeah, I'm going to try and see it because I think she's a real, a real modern drag queen. And finally, yes. on the drag, before we say goodbye and let you sum up your all your links, um, is there a UK drag queen that you uh, have watched, or know, are aware of, that we should be looking yeah, have, yeah. 
at that people could, yeah, might be interested in Googling and watching. And um, So I actually had the pleasure of meeting uh, Son of a Tutu ah. uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and we got along really well. We met at the Phoenix Arts Club, ah, yeah. um, both drinking far too much. And I was like, where do I know you from? Um, and of course it was from on stage Porn Idol. Um, uh, and I really, I had a really interesting conversation with her and we talked about some really lovely things that you kind of just don't expect to come out of someone who's in such a, a, a mainstream sphere of drag sure. mouth. Um, so, son of a tutu. Son of a tutu, yeah. yeah. Um, I also really love um, Myra Dubois. Yes. Who I saw live, uh, actually just down the road at Underbelly. Um, in oh, really? a little death club, which is a fantastic cabaret show if anyone goes to see it. Um, and uh, okay. her complete sarky assholeness. Uh-huh. Um, she reminded me of a kind of uh, British Bianca Del Rio, to be honest, Absolutely. with even less energy. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's got a real, she's got a real spunk about her. Yeah, and a real Brit. Oh, a real Brit. Um, yeah, there's a drag queen in the show that I've written that. I imagine the amount of cigarettes she smoked is similar to uh, Myra. Sure. Oh, brilliant. Um, and then, yes, just to remind us all again of uh, your uh, everything, all of your Of course. So my, the, main, the main place to find me uh, individually and as a kind of general creative uh, is on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. It's at Harry J. Hancock. Uh, my website is www.harryjhancock.com. And for uh, LGBTQ stories, and our, pri- our first show, sorry, is Query. Uh, the Instagram handle is at Stories LGBTQ. Fantastic. Harry, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Matt, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Oh, we are going to enjoy. We should go and have a drink, really, shouldn't we? Should we have a drink. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Ladies and gents, that was Harry. What a lovely, lovely chap. Um, we had lots of fun and then we did go and have a glass of champagne naughty I know um, anyway just a couple of things um, I'm going to put all the links to um, everything Harry talked about uh, uh, relating to him and uh, and the piece also just to say I realised I revealed something on that podcast about the fact that I'm taking antidepressants I'm not ashamed of it but I just realised I, I dropped it in there um, when I was editing and I realised that was there yes I am, um, not because I'm massively depressed, it's just basically to try and even me out, I was having problems with sleeping um, and then the stuff that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast um, the incident on the tube and things things just took their toll and um, I had a, it wasn't really, I don't think I'd even describe it as a panic attack, it was an, a severe anxiety attack that led to a trip to the doctors and basically um, I'm taking uh, something that is, uh, I'm assured, non-addictive and uh, yes, that, that day I did the podcast, I was foggy as hell, it only happened the one day, so I'm glad it cleared, um, but um, I'm sleeping really well, so... We'll talk about that probably in the next podcast, but just to let you know, I'm all right, um, and it's fine, and I'm sure lots of you are taking them as well, but I feel like I should explain because I explain everything else. Anyway, it's time to go. Gang, cheers, keep listening, I'll see you next time. <laughs>